You're listening to Wake Up Tucson. This podcast is a Bustos Media production on The Voice. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. When will they listen, Chris? They're never going to pay attention to Ozzy, sad to say. Learning how to love, forget how to hate. I mean, this is just human nature. We've been dealing for, you know, a few thousand years. We'll be fine. We'll figure it out one day. Good morning to you all. You're on Wake Up Tucson. The morning after. There has to be a morning after. Um, after our amazing, very Are you fun. Gene Hackman in this scenario? <laughs> Who's who in this, in this scenario? We had an amazing um, happy hour last night at Games and Gadgets in the Short Rest Tavern. It was. It was pretty much wall to wall at one point there. And uh, just fun. Just, you know, Malta Joe delicacies. Oh, my. The Malta Joe buffet yep. was amazing. Yes, it was. Variety of pastizzi, including the birria pastizzi. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, the dessert pastizzi, which I would vote that he should make every day of his life until he's out of the business, <laughs> which is the Nutella pastizzi. The Nutella and cream. I mean, that's, come on. Get out of here. Mm. Get out of here. It's too good. So, very good. Mark and the crew were uh, great. Our bartenders, Tom and Amanda, did a great job. And uh, it was like having the family together uh, last night together. All the right people were there. And... Uh, very, very fun. Very fun. couple of old faces. Allie was there. Hadn't seen Allie in a while. Saw her on the way out. And I was like, wow. I, uh... She was in the corner hanging out with Barney Brenner and uh, her husband and, of course, Sharon. So she was uh, very comfy in the corner there at, uh, at the Short Rest, Short Rest Tavern. So, But uh, anyway, great to see her. Great to see everybody. It was very, very good. So winner, winner. Short rest tavern dinner, as we like to say. Now, here it is. So I was just telling a friend of mine on the phone, coming down to this show for the last so many hundreds of days, I didn't have run into nothing on I-10 until the last two days. So literally, so whatever, I don't I don't even know what's going on. So it looks the like at the junction. Yeah, yeah, the interchange from I-10 eastbound to I-19 southbound is closed, and it's got traffic backed up to... Um, and I would have called or t- I just noticed you'd called. I would have called or texted to let you know. And <laughs> I was just looking for any sort of guidance. If I, if the, I should, uh, should I power through or get off? Sorry so, about I was it's, over there in the green room getting the uh, filthy it, pirate going. So. That's more anyway, important. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, I got off at 22nd. That's, I think you made the right call based on. Absolutely. Because it was when I got off at 22nd, pretty much. Almost every lane was down to zero to two miles an hour. And at 6.04, when I checked the traffic, it was backed up almost to Speedway. Yeah, so. it's ugly. Yeah. Ugly. So watch out if you're coming this way. I, uh, we have uh, Wynn Brown, who is our author. She will be here 8.07. Hopefully everything will be cleared for her as she makes her way down. When, if you're listening, watch out for the junction, as we like to say. Uh, so she wrote the um, the book that our friend Terry from the Oral Valley Historical Society talked about about the 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 the, the lady that we named um, Mount Lemon after. Mm-hmm. So she'll be here to talk about that one. And she that gets segment there. you did a couple weeks ago, uh, it was fantastic with the Oral Valley Historical Society. So 
Well, um, ter- ter- Terry's, you know, she's, she's, you know, anyone who is, again, knowledgeable and passionate about their subject is always going to be good. Yeah. And she's one of them, just like our horse racing people, kids on Friday, right? Same kind of thing. So, but, uh, so yeah, she'll be here in the third hour, which is great. Like we like to say, we love uh, mixing in a salad or two. Um, so that's going to happen. Uh, what else do we got here today? There's so much stuff to cover. Tomorrow should be busy. I know we have... What do we got tomorrow? People and humans. Um, oh, so that guy, Mike Vellante, when we talked about uh, elections, we're having him back from... Uh, I forgot the name of that organization, but he's going to break down... America uh, First Policy Institute. America the, First the, Policy Institute. The good old A... FPI. Yeah, the FPs. FPs. Uh, Mike's going to come back just to break down what he his evaluation of the 2022 election in Arizona. Then we have Victoria from the Heritage Foundation at 8.07 to talk about um, Ukraine and why are we there? Should we be there? We're going deep on Ukraine at 8.07. And then we have Siskamani. I was working on it. Uh, I told him 6.30, 7.30, 8.30. Because he's gonna he's gonna deliver the uh, the, the uh, response to Crazy Joe's State of the Union in Spanish tonight. In Spanish, that's right. So that's uh, that's happening tonight. So we can watch that. Uh, what else do we got here today? Win Brown. The book of Win Brown's book is called Sarah Plummer Lemon: The Forgotten. Oh, sorry, the Forgotten Botanist Sarah Plummer Lemon. Lemon, two M's. Life of Science and Art. That's the third hour interview we're going to do with her. Um, uh, what else do we got here today? It's National Ballet Day. Happy National Ballet Day. Uh, I know Matt's into dance. Big U of A school of dance guy. Part of the My, the, the menagerie of dance. That's right. They do ballet. It's a triple track program, Chris. Oh, my. That's what I jazz, love. Triple modern. Track. Yeah. So. Yeah, my friends over at U of A School of Dance. So happy Ballet Day. Absolutely. It's National Fettuccine Alfredo Day, which if made correctly can be done. Some of them are quite glue-like, but if it's made correctly. My recipe is a modified one I remember learning as a teenager off of the back of a Ronzoni Fettuccine pasta box. So be cool, yes. You know, it's we, got it's got an egg yolk, it's got the heavy cream, it's got parmesan. Hopefully, if you can do freshly grated, fine. If you don't, we can still make it work. And uh, black pepper and uh, very important ingredient to make your fettuccine alfredo the next level: freshly grated nutmeg. Yeah, that's, that's what makes it happen. That's where the that's where the real magic happens. All right, so I sent Matt a video. Hopefully, we'll get to it today. Uh, New York City teachers speak out about the hypocrisy of firing teachers for resu- re- refusing the vaccine while allowing thousands of vaccinated unlegal kids into the schools. So we'll talk about that. Uh, just a little update on the Chinese balloon because it's too good. Uh, researcher admits we were wrong about COVID and it cost lives. This is an op-ed that a guy named Kevin Bass wrote in um, Newsweek. We'll get to that. Scott Moorfield, part of Team Reality. Um, it says, latest gold standard scientific review puts final nail in the coffin for mask mandates. And this includes N95s. New so. York just repealed theirs. It was on the news this morning. <laughs> yeah. they're, so, they're so liberated over there. I'm sorry, not mask, vaccine. I'm so, I spoke out of turn. No hey, problem. Yep. Uh, I got to still get to the Buttigieg excuse on why you peons don't appreciate Biden's accomplishments. 
Uh, Val Cavazos interviews uh, Chief Kazmar one year into the job. We'll talk about that a little bit. U of A students speak up about campus safety protocols. We might get to, I, I got to get to the story. They have the neighbors of where this shooting happened on Alvernon and Valencia. And their, their description was like something out of a bad movie. A bad movie. Um, some Arizona state lawmakers proposed splitting up Maricopa County. Thank God the sex workers were demanding that prostitution be decriminalized at downtown Phoenix. So we'll talk about that. Then an issue that's going to probably be really big. We have an Arizona rancher who shot a man, I believe, on his land near Keno Springs in Nogales. Yes. Who is being held on a $1 million bond. That was, yeah, that was, that actually made the Daily Mail. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and Dan Shearer, uh, maybe we'll have to talk, the Nogales International covered it. Maybe it might be time, maybe we'll get Dan on before his, because he's not scheduled for another nine days or eight days. Might have to have Dan on earlier. We have our study on Americans' personal debt. And, um, uh oh, oh, correct, correct. Let's go to break. Windows, hold on. I'll get to you when we come back. 790 2040 is the phone number. You're on Wake Up Tucson. Big Pima County board meeting today on free speech and Adelita Grijalva trying to choke the hell out of the other supervisors' abilities to put stuff on the agenda. So let's go to break. It's National Ballet Day. So, what I do as a shock jock. Uh, is I always are jamming um, Swan Lake as I'm shock jocking. So you're on Wake Up Tucson, 10th through the voice, local news and talk. Boom, 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 boom. 6.20 in the morning, you're on the Wake Up Tucson show, 10th through the voice, local news and talk. Colleen says that's not shock jock music when we played Swan Lake. Well, I'm just saying. Remember, Laura Conover says this is shock jock radio because Actual citizens come on and exercise their free speech on how they're not happy having homeless drug criminals steal from them and defecate inside the lobby of their business. So, again, the narcissist... And the newspaper's columnist ignores that aspect of the story. Absolutely. There's no crime, according to Little Timmy. Just, we need to house people. Little Timmy, where's the crime? Where's the crime? Can we find him? Is it... Is it... Crime's in the well? Crime's in the well? Crime's in the well? Uh, Let's go to... uh, <laughs> you better get to this button, man. I see you leaning towards the button. Hit the button. There we go. <laughs> get this kid some filthy pirate. Let's go to Windows XP. Got our uh, our uh, man on the street update. Christopher, what's up? Hey, country morning to you. Uh, was that Cutting Crew you were just playing? Asia, Wildest Dreams, first album. Oh, I apologize. Yeah, I didn't mean if, to slight your... Yeah, if you, say, oh, if, you, if you say Cutting Crew for Asia one more time, you're literally... <laughs> your band. Yeah, cutting Crew. Boy, yeah. what a great band. Kaja Gugu. So, uh, hey, an update on downtown. I'm downtown. <laughs> I'm doing the bar called The High Wire, which is the alley right across from the Ronstadt. Yep. Oh. I no, nothing scarier movement. than the alley across from Ronstadt. Oh, that's that's my main. It's like the alley in that comic book Spawn. <laughs> I haven't read a like Spawn that. in no, years, but I know what you're talking yeah, about. Buildings collapsing, you know, just manholes blowing up. But uh, but I'm doing the windows, and out of the peripheral vision, I see two people approaching me in dark. I look up; it's two beat cops. They are actually walking the beat. They're on foot. And I, I, I just corralled them and commended them and just said, you know, I couldn't believe they were there. So they've got the police on the bike. 
They've got the gator, the two-seat gator, and, and now they even have two, two police officers walking the beat. And also, an update on Ronstadt, they're down to one police vehicle. There was three at the peak, but now there's only one. So maybe they're putting a dent in it, I'm hoping. Uh, I don't think there's a dent in it. You know, it's, the idea that you saw an actual presence is positive, mm-hmm. right? But again, talk. I'm almost going to pinch them, Chris, but I figured they'd shoot me. <laughs> speak app- make sure they speak, were real. Speak apparitions. Are you real? <laughs> <laughs> They're a holograph. They've got holographic police officers now, Chris. I didn't even think about that. Now that's those some of these uh, these these uh, smart nerds at the U of A start working on holographic cops walking around for at least a little deterrence. Think of the possibilities. You could have George Kennedy, Blue Knight, walking around. You could just go. I mean, you could have everybody. Dragnet. Columbo. I mean, just the, the possibilities, Chris. The possibilities. Cagney. Cag, anyway, yeah. Cag, Cagney I mean, and you Cag, see these guys? I love to have Cagney and Lacey walking down Congress. Cagney and Lacey. But anyway, you see these guys commend them. They really do need to, they need to know we support them. Because did you see that Black Lives Matter came out and just ripped Biden about not defunding the police? I mean, my Lord, you would think after two years of just complete is this, chaos. Is this the Black Lives Matter off. lady who basically banked all that money for her super him. house? Is it, is it that? I don't know who it was, which one, <laughs> but they excor- I mean, they ripped them about not defunding the police. I mean, Chris, come on. I'm with you, man. That's that that train is left. It's not going. It doesn't work defunding the police. It's just it's it's counterproductive to society. Well, again, right? Everything's emotion. Nothing is. Yeah. Nothing is actual based on fact or knowledge or anything like that. Right. I'm just glad you survived 22nd Street getting to work. So, so it's funny. I was talking to my buddy, and I said, I'm at, when I was getting off the highway, and I said, I'm getting off at 22nd. He goes. Dude, you got to watch out for the guys running across 22nd out of Santa Rita. That's the part that he was worried about, that somehow I was going to be dodging those folks. And thank goodness that did not that did not occur. Yeah. So that's But anyway, point. you guys have a great day. And, and like I said, I mean, I, you, you, you see these guys out on foot. You, you need to, to, to thank them because, I mean, they, they need a presence, Chris. They just can't be driving around giving parking ticket giving speeding tickets they ain't doing that either you need a physical <laughs> presence there's not enough cops to give speeding tickets i mean that's where you're at so all right christopher all right do and remember say- it's see something do something not see something video it to put it on youtube <laughs> all right god bless you guys. thank you amigo appreciate it uh that's uh that's our man on the streets uh windows xp as we like to say um Let's get so just to give you a little, so this is a story out of Kagon Nine. This is uh, Andrew Christensen. He just celebrated his twelfth birthday at Peter Piper yesterday. Uh, the reporter at Kagon Nine is just—he's doing great work for a, a you know a new twelve-year-old. Um, so the shooting that happened on um, Valencia and Alvernon—I guess they were Desert Few High School kids. And so one killed, uh, three hospitalized. But the original story of what's going on is uh, Nancy Fort and John Griffin were living in their house near Alvernon in Valencia for almost two years. Early Sunday morning, 3 a.m., they heard gunshots, something they wouldn't expect in their neighborhood. You live where? Uh, bullets from the gun even hit their truck in the side of their house. 
I heard the gunshot like a burr like that, and I said, oh, my God. She and her husband didn't expect to see 30 teenagers running for their lives. I just felt so bad for those teenagers all screaming and running down the road. Some of them even ran to the front door, ringing the doorbell in a panic. There was two teenagers huddled up by our door, and I opened the door, and I said, what the hell's going on? And they said, someone's shooting at us. That's when they called 911. It took TPD 10 minutes to get there. When seconds count, understaffing really. So again, thank, well, first of all, it's horrible that someone died, number one. But they are, everyone's pretty fortunate that with TPD getting there in 10 minutes, that more people didn't lose their lives. So I got to see if, has the Queen Mayor opined on this one yet? I don't know if she, she doesn't usually opine on stuff in her own neighborhood. She likes to opine on shootings in California and things like that, right? So It's true. You know, uh, one of my ways I'm celebrating Black History Month here at my Wake Up Tucson page is my, my profile page is Forrest Keys, is my picture, who's the uh, young man who got murdered in the Cherry Garage uh, right next to the McHale Center by three, three teenage baby-faced thugs, Right? And um, that was that that and for again, Forrest is being swept under the rug. His murder, pretty much, right. And so it's interesting when when there was this the also article about the U of A kids are speaking up about campus safety protocols, right after Professor Meixner got killed, and of course they have the U of A student body president. Okay, that's fun. Uh, but they had the Associated Students, I like this one, the students of the U of A, the ASUA, and the Hydrology and Atmospheric Sciences Students Association released this statement, right? Yes, the the, the uh, threats against Professor Meixner, I mean, remember, it was so bad, one of the other professors wore a Kevlar to, to, the, to, the, uh, to school because of this guy, right? So did the U of A police and TPD or whoever... Ignore some stuff? Probably. Okay. Or maybe their hands were tied on what they can do with this guy, right? But here's the other thing. If the kids from the U of A and the professors don't say something also about the growing crime problem that's growing in and around their university, you're going to have another Forest Keys one day, and you're going to go, how did that happen? So, Shock Jock celebrating ballet, National Ballet Day. Wake up, Tucson. Now that's Keith Emerson working a Wawa baby. You're on Wake Up Tucson, 1030 The Voice, local news and talk. You're on the Tuesday edition after our amazing happy hour at Games and Gadgets. Our next one we're working will be most likely at La Oya up in Marana will be our next one. So I'll let you know when that happens. Marquise and I have to talk to uh, Ken and Diane and figure out a date that's good for everybody. So... They're doing good. They're doing really good Mexican food up there. I mean, if you like Mexican food in Marana, I mean, you really like. Sorry, Al. All right. Um, so let's do a little. Let's do. A, let's do. Let's do some Rona updates. As I like to say, uh, conspiracy theorists one hundred thirty-seven, uh, reality curator zero. Just want to let you know that. Um, not that we're keeping count. Maybe we are. So. Um, this was a piece that uh, was um, on a. It was uh, these New York City teachers, and they were uh, fired for refusing the facts, the vac, the vax man, the the vaccine, 
the MR, so let's let's say facts, the MRNA mandate. Casey McFadden, who serves as a math teacher in Brooklyn, New York, for 25 years, came out of retirement to do it during the pandemic to help the teachers' teacher shortage, and then was fired for not taking the MRNA. Um, so, and the other one's Joy Newball, another teacher refusing for taking the vaccine. She had to be, she had to decide between her experience and her beliefs. So anyway, she joins, uh, they join the Fox News uh, a lady here to talk about they, uh, they're basically, uh, they were canned for refusing the mRNA, and at the same time, the New York City uh, school district is letting in thousands of unvaccinated illegals into the schools. So let's, uh, let's, let's do this up, uh, Mr. Matt. Schools are accepting illegal migrant children into the classroom without proof of vaccination for COVID-19. Joining me now are Joy Newball and Cassie McFadden, who were both fired last year for refusing to get the vaccine. Ladies, as I said when you came on set, thank you so much for being with us. I wish it was on different terms, but I'm so glad you're here to share what happened to Not you guys. Not that she would be talking uh, Joy, to them on different terms, first. but anyway, we're here. Um, <laughs> Sorry. When this all happened, you said you had to choose termination. Yes. Explain to, to us what that conversation looked like. So for me, I had to think about what was going to be the best choice that supported my beliefs, that supported my convictions. And it was to allow the Department of Education to terminate me. So it was a choice between keeping my qualifications, which I knew every three years that was coming up, or being uh, pushed to choose that they were going to terminate me because I was not going to comply. I was never going to comply. So I, I had to choose to just lose my career, which was very hard for me. You know, I, I worked eight years tirelessly. I had built up a resume with trainings to work hard with these kids, and I had to let it all go. Yeah, and if you're just now joining us, these were both, form they're both former teachers. Cassie, you were a teacher for 25 years. A math teacher. A math teacher. You were a math teacher, K through 12? Yes. So. You were fired for not getting getting vaccinated, but also to, to bring it to light, you also came out of retirement during the height of COVID to help the city out when they were short on teachers. You, you did your weekly testing. So what did you think when you saw that now these migrant children are just being led into the schools without proof of vaccination? It's illegal, unethical, and it's insane. They're actually risking 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 the safety of all New Yorkers. You can't have one policy for one group and another policy policy for another group. So that really, this whole city should be in an uproar because it's illegal, unethical, and unconstitutional. Who do you guys blame for this? Joy, who do you blame for all of this? I blame those who think that they have the authority to do this. And, you know, if we look at what this country is founded on, there is no authority for any public servant to try and force anything on anyone. And what they are doing is completely dividing the people. These are two African-American uh, ladies. Just to, because you have here radio. now migrants that are coming in being told that something is wavered. But then you had 26,000 students in 2019 that weren't allowed to be in school if they weren't in that same position as these migrants. So now you have this huge divide. You have families that have had to make these choices and here it is now being rubbed in the faces of actual taxpayers that are paying for education mm -hmm. and under the constitution in new york state constitution 
education is not to be discriminated against. So there has been huge discrimination against the city, against the children, and harm done. And I mean, honestly, for me, I blame Eric Adams. I really do. What about you, Cassie? You, you told me earlier that everyone needs to come together to, yes. to solve this problem. But who do you blame for this right now? Um, not only the mayor, but the whole New York City administration. Do you think this is ever going to get the solved? Union, or? everyone. Mm -hmm. do you, is, what's the teachers union doing for you guys? Anything? Have they done anything? Nothing. They never did. They were silent. The UFT never did anything. Ever. Ever. A top health official recently said it was, uh, quote, a surprising number of migrant children who had never had a single shot coming mm -hmm. into the country. They, they were shocked by that. How dangerous is this for not only the teachers, but the kids and really the whole population? Thank you. I mean, this, this, this could be a very bad situation. Am I right? Very much so. It could be a bad situation, but it could also um, uncover. It's hypocritical on top of everything yes. else. Yes, it's, it's, that's... It's very hypocritical because, like I said before, you've had situations in this city where, you know, if families... We're good. You guys got the, the gist of that. So basically what they're saying is not just... This is just not a... This is not even just a Rona thing, right? These kids have no vaccinations whatsoever going to school. And they're talking about how kids who... Kids who are citizens and of the state of New York and the city of New York... Uh, she said 29,000 kids weren't allowed to go to school because they didn't get vaccinated. But because they're, these kids are illegals, they're allowed to go. Right? So what, you know, what, what they've learned is, you know, what they're learning is that, especially under a leftist regime, right, that some, as we uh, say in our Animal Farm, I believe, George Orwell, don't ask to U.S. ears, it'll blow your mind. It's not a kid's book either. It has the word farm in it. Some are more equal than others. And, uh, we know that living in Pima County. Uh, let's do a couple more things here. Um, <clears throat> so a young man, he's a seven-year uh, uh, MD-PhD student at medical school in Texas and a medical researcher, uh, wrote an op-ed that in Newsweek that's called It's Time for the Scientific Community to Admit We Are Wrong About COVID and It Costs Lives. He says, as a medical student and researcher, I staunchly supported the efforts of public health authorities when it came to COVID-19. I believe the authorities responded to the largest public health crisis with compassion, diligence, and scientific expertise. I was with them when they called for lockdown vaccines and boosters. I was wrong. We in the scientific community were wrong. Uh, I can see now that the scientific community from the CDC to the World Health Organization to the FDA and their representatives repeatedly overstated the evidence and misled the public about its own views and policies, including natural versus artificial immunity, school closures, disease transmission, aerosol spread, mask mandates, vaccine uh, effectiveness, and safety, especially among the young. All of these were scientific mistakes at the time, not in hindsight. Amazingly, some of these obfuscations continue to present to the present day. Uh, Bass believes the epic failure of the COVID know-it-alls led to an unknowable number of excess fatalities. But perhaps more uh, important than any individual error was the inherently flawed overall approach of the scientific community was and continues to be. It was flawed in a way that undermined its efficacy and resulted in thousands, if not millions, of preventable deaths. 
He says it's okay to be wrong and admit one was wrong and what one learned. That's a central part of the way science works, yet I fear that too many are entrenched in groupthink and too afraid to publicly take responsibility to do this. He also said most of us did not speak up in support of alternative views and many of us tried to suppress them. When strong scientific voices like world-renowned Stanford uh, professors John Ioannidis, Ioannidis called this is all wrong within 30 days of March 20th. Jay Batakaira, Scott Atlas, or the University of San Francisco professors Vinay Prasad and Monica Gandhi sounded the alarm on behalf of vulnerable communities. They face severe censure by relentless mobs of critics and detractors in the scientific community, often not based on fact, but solely on the basis of differences of scientific opinion. I'm also going to add politics. Let's get one more here. Scott Moorfield, who has definitely been one of the leaders in team reality over the last couple of years. Uh, the Cochrane Reviews, the, the title of this is uh, Gold Standard Review Puts Final Nail in Coffin for Masks. The Cochrane Review's latest examination of a plethora of masking and other COVID intervention studies conducted during and before COVID-19 pandemic should put the final nail in the coffin of the belief that widespread masking could have altered the trajectory of the outbreak. The analysis, which examined, examined 78 studies, 78 studies with a, with a group of over a million people in the study, found that the community masking made little to no difference to COVID death or infection rates. I'm sure uh, Dylan Smith will go, was that period reviewed? That period reviewed? <laughs> Eight bucks a month. Uh, now... Um, here's a quote from the uh, study. Ten studies took place in the community and two studies with healthcare workers. Compared with wearing no mask and wearing a mask may make little or no difference in how many people caught a flu-like COVID illness. That's over 276,000 people in those studies. And probably makes little or no difference in how many people have flu or COVID, COVID confirmed by laboratories. Six studies over 14, 000, close to 14,000 people Unwanted effects were rarely reported and discomforted was, discomfort was mentioned. Uh, the study of N95 respirators was also uh, devastating. Again, the, this is the aforementioned Dr. Vinay Prasad, hematologist, oncologist, and health researcher working who is a professor of epidemiology and biostats at University of California, San Francisco, which I assume, you know, you, you COVID freaks and Pima County, like Dr. Hines, you got to love, and, uh, you know, Dylan and the crew got to love, it's a U UCSF, right? They're, they're, they're the enlightened ones in Northern California. Uh, it found that such masks made little or no difference. These are N95s. Quote, four studies were healthcare workers. One study was in the community. Compared with wearing medical or surgical masks, wearing N95 respirators made little or no difference in how many people had confirmed flus. That was five studies over 8,400 people. It may make little or no difference, and may make little to no difference on how many people catch flu-like illness. Five studies, again, 8,400 people. Or respiratory illness, three studies, 7,800 people. Unwanted effects were not well reported, and of course, discomfort was mentioned. <laughs> Writes Prasad, here's the big summary finding. With 276 participants, sorry, 276,000 participants in RCTs or cluster RCTs, masking does nothing. 
no reduction in influenza-like or COVID-like illness, and no reduction in confirmed flu or COVID. That's stone-cold negative. See those effect sizes and confidence intervals. Um, Professor, oh, this is a name that I just love saying, Francois Bleur, who teaches uh, computational biology at University College London, described the Cochrane Review as the gold standard in evidence-based medicine in a tweet last week. Um, irrespective of the limitations of the study, I mean, you had 276,000 people. Um, it results indicate the true impact of masks and N95 respirators on transmission of respiratory virus at best is, is small. That's from Francois. Scott Moorfield, I've written on this site more times than I count. He writes for Town Hall. If masking worked to limit the spread of COVID-19 or other contagious respiratory viruses, it would be blatantly obvious because high masking areas would have discernibly different infection rates than low masking areas. They never did, and now the scholarly evidence continues to confirm this. We said this with Beatrice. He was talking about lockdowns in, uh, in, the, in, the, in the West, right, and then talking about Colorado versus South Dakota versus Nebraska, all these places that are, have similar densities of people and whatever, and the one like um, South Dakota, which had almost nothing, had no discernible difference in anyone running around with their stupid curfews, masks, or things like that. I mean, we've been telling you this for years, but it's nice to see that a gold standard group of studies like this says, yeah, we knew it. Again, uh, we got to go to break. 6.49 in the morning. Christopher D. Simone, Matthew J. Neely, Esquire. Bill, I'll get to you when we come back. And then at the top of the hour... I'm going to play you, uh, we are going to play you, the, um, it's the, um, uh, you can play it right from the beginning, that's the big, that's the big part right there, trust me, you'll be fine. Um, I will tell you that, um, oh, there's Keith. Uh, we're going to play the Bill Maher comparison of the Chinese cultural revolution to the current woke re- revolution in academics. And we did clear out any F-bombs in it. So I think we did good. So wake up Tucson, 1030 The Voice, local news and talk. This show's always been touch and go, Greg, always. All right, 6.54 in the morning. You're on Wake Up Tucson, 1030 The Voice, local news and talk. Let's go right to the phones. Billy number one, what's shaking, big dog? Yeah, morning. Uh, hey. You know, listening to, listening to all the, the um, statistics you just uh, uh, cited and whatnot, I, I can't help but remember, you know, three years ago, how, um, you know, the world seemed to um, just fall all over itself, trying to find the quote unquote experts to tell us how to do, uh, how to deal with the COVID emergency. I, I, I think your, the, 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 the recitation you just gave highlights how badly the experts relied on a Potemkin village of expertise to buffalo the entire world's population on how to deal with this. Everything that most of us were taught in elementary and junior high and high school health class about how to deal with something when you're sick proves to be the best way of dealing with everything we've experienced as a society for the last three years. 
If you're sick, stay home. If, if, if you've got something else going on in your overall general health, you probably should take some extra precautions around someone that might have a virus that could exacerbate your personal health condition, et cetera, et cetera. These things were known from day one. The experts knew these things from day one. They also knew that they didn't understand the virus. They didn't understand what was going on. So rather than treat the entire society as a group of adults and say, we don't know the circumstances with uh, this particular virus, maybe we should take those, that advice we all learned as kids and growing up about taking personal responsibility for our lives. If you're around someone that you think might have uh, you know, some extraordinary health circumstances, take a little bit of extra precaution. So in the end, right, so he's like, how does this happen, right? And in the end, right, you had the higher-ups like the Fauci's, right, who were saying what they were saying, and then all these other health professionals down to Dr. Cullen were all in over their heads, right? And they just way kept over their heads. way in over their heads, and no one's there. no one even knew what a Dr. Cullen was before the coronavirus, right? They became the new celebs, right? And people with uh, not really good knowledge on this and who were way in over their heads said, "Well, the CDC said, the CDC said, the CDC said, the CDC said," right? And everyone just piled on, and the CDC ran political uh, on a lot of this stuff. Sad to say, and science meant nothing. And this is where you're at. Yep. And a whole bunch of all these people, you know, fell into it. I'm just telling you, man. And so now, again, this is elections have consequences. Katie Hobbs wants to make Dr. Cullen the head of the health department for Arizona. And, and we should not overlook that one. Thursday afternoon this week in the Senate up, at, up in Phoenix, the state legislature in the Senate is going to be reviewing the application for Dr. Cullen to be the health advisor for the state of Arizona. We should not reward incompetence with elevation of responsibilities to the whole state. You are correct. So if you can't make it up there, Bill, how do they uh, interact with the, uh, the, uh, the, the I, forgot, I want to say right to speak, is the... Um, request to speak. Request to speak. I knew I had that. I was there. How do they, how do, how would you, how do they do that? How would you, the, the wakey listening... You that, can... Sorry. You can sign on, go to, go to uh, just type in your search bar, uh, Arizona Legislature. You'll find the, the links on request to speak. Uh, contact the, uh, the members of the legislature uh, in the Senate and tell them Dr. Cullen should under no circumstances be uh, the, the, the chief medical advisor to the state of Arizona, period. Now, is this a recommendation from the Senate that they don't want her, or can they actually not? Con- is this a confirmation thing? I it's advise and consent. Okay. Okay. Again, I, I, I do know there's some business owners that are taking the ride to uh, make that discussion happen. So. Yep. All right, Bill. Thanks for the call, my friend. Always appreciate Take it. Take care. Have a good day. Bye. All right. When we come back, I'm going to play uh, Friday night. Bill Maher had this discussion comparing the Chinese Cultural Revolution to what's going on in, well, academics and then politically in this country and uh, the, quote, woke revolution. And it's, it's pretty good. Some of you might say he's red-pilling at hard, which there could be some truth, or has the Democrat Party just gone so loony, right? That, the, you know, we, we, we have our loons in the Republican Party, and they have their loons in the Democrat Party. So, wake up Tucson, 1030 The Voice, local news and talk.